Good morning. How are you guys doing? All right. Hey, uh, we are in a series in James, and the title of that series is Double Mind or um, Double Trouble, because uh, there, as we've seen the last several weeks, there are several times in our lives that we can kind of get split. We can get split-minded, double-minded about what we're doing, about how we're living. And uh, God wants us to kind of single that down, to narrow that down, to focus it down to a life that follows after him. And uh, one of the things that I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and I heard from you all, I've been kind of checking in with some of you, and uh, you guys, when I, I checked in with several people, they were like, oh, yeah, you did tell us to do something a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I, I was uh, saying, hey, let's uh, be writing out the book of James on some three-by-five cards. Do you remember that? And then we carry them, you put it down in kind of bite-sized pieces, and then you can carry them with you. Uh, so that wherever you're at, if you're like on a walk or if you're at lunch or something, but you can pull it out because as we fill our minds with God's word uh, and as we kind of align our minds to, what he, to his thoughts and his words, it, it changes us, it transforms us. He says his word is living and active. His word is what really does that. His spirit working through the word transforms us. And so uh, we wanna be doing that. So I'm gonna encourage you again. So maybe in a couple weeks, I can check and you go, oh, yeah, you told us. Just kidding. The more that uh, I think you do that, I think it'll help you too as we go through this series. Um, what I found is that the more I get of James in my thinking, the more God starts making connections as well. And it should be um, just overall a better, kind of a more fulfilling experience for you. So I uh, encourage you. want to encourage you to do that. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're enjoying the cooler weather coming in right? Have you noticed that? I, I think we all have. The cooler weather's coming in. The warmer weather's going out. There's this transition going on. One of the things I love about living in this state is that we have taken some things that other places consider uh, just to be summer traditions, and we made them year-round. And so what I love about Rhode Island is here in Rhode Island, we consume uh, more ice cream year-round per capita than anywhere else in the United States. Did you guys know that? Yeah, that, that's a number one that I, I think we should try as hard as we can to hang on to, because that is definitely something, I, I love ice cream, I love being able to eat it, that you don't have to worry about the shops being closed. The hardest time I have with ice cream, though, is um, you walk into an ice cream shop, right? And if they have more than one great flavor, I'm in trouble, right? Because then you got to choose, you have to decide, which of these am I going to get this time? I kind of want them all, but I know I can't do that. So you have to choose. Um, and any time that is a decision is important as like what flavor ice cream you're gonna eat that day, it's a tough choice, isn't it? Decisions are hard. And there are tough decisions in our, our lives. And um, maybe ice cream is not the most important one, but uh, it sure would be easier though if they'd make it easy for us. My problem is, is that the, the toughest decisions for me, and tell me if this isn't true, is those that you're drawn to both sides, right? You're not just drawn to one thing. It's not, it, it's not easy to pick. It'd be easier if like in the ice cream store, if they had like moose tracks over here and then they had skunk flavored, right? Then you could just say, obviously, the moose tracks, but they don't. And what we find in life is often that's how decisions are. They don't just have one obvious choice and another one. We have these that we are pulled between. Our passage in James today is talking about an attitude that can help us with those kind of decisions, those 
real life decisions where it's not so obvious sometimes. Those real life decisions and what kind of frame of mind we should be in. If you wanna turn to uh, James chapter one, verse nine through 11, that's what we're going to be reading today. And it's about how we uh, can align our lives, align our direction in life, so that then all the decisions that flow from that, all the actions that flow from that are in a good direction. But it takes that initial decision we have to make of I'm going to align my life in a certain way. That's what this passage is talking about. So let's stand to hear God's word, James 1, 9 through 11. It says, the brother or sister in low circumstances, to them I say, boast in your high position. But to the person riding high in this life, filled with all that this world has to offer, I say boast. But in that case, boast in the humbling that is certainly on its way. Because like the flowering grass, all this, I want you to say all this. this. I want you to look around. I want you to look out the windows. I want you to look around. I want you to say all this will pass away. For the sun rose with a scorching heat and withered the grass and its flower fell off and thus the beauty of its outward appearance was destroyed. So too the one whose life is filled with this world's stuff will be reduced to nothing right in the middle of all their pursuits. The decision between pursuing pursuing status in this world, pursuing position and place and name in this world, or pursuing status with God, name and position and place with God, is one of the most important decisions that we make in our lives. And we make it every single day As we get out of bed and we say, what am I going to align my life to? The problem is, is that if we're honest, we're drawn to both, aren't we? We're drawn to both of those. And so there are times that it's not an easy decision. In fact, there are times that our minds are kind of divided about where we should go. This morning, this message is titled Split Decision. Because I think that's where we live, isn't it? Father, this morning, I want to ask that you would be here, that you would help us in this journey as we seek to find out what does it mean to be uh, all in with you? What does it mean to be fully on board and, and, and fully in on following you? What do we do with these times that our minds and our hearts are divided and they're pulled two very different ways? How are we supposed to understand it? How are we supposed to see that? because it doesn't seem that we can get rid of it anytime soon. Father, how are we supposed to see living a life of faith, of following after you with a heart that can be divided, with decisions that can be divided in that way? Father, I pray that you would help us to understand these things. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be here teaching us, speaking to us, speaking to our hearts in those personal ways about those things that are going on in our own lives so that by your word you would transform us, that you would make us more like Jesus. Father, we pray this prayer for your glory. You deserve it all. We pray this prayer that your son might be lifted up both by us and through us. We pray these things and knowing that they're only possible through the power of your spirit. Amen. You can have a seat. Okay, this morning, do we have any uh, boxing fans that are out there? Okay, we got a 
We got one. We had, we had a couple this morning. There aren't a lot of us left, right? There's only a few. Now, I remember growing up, and some of you guys may remember growing up in the heyday of boxing, right? It was back in that time when I think everybody knew the big names that were in the boxing world. And I don't, it just, they were just common household names. I talked to my friends, they knew Muhammad Ali. Everybody knew Muhammad Ali. And you could say, well, of course, he's the greatest of all time. But this was during that time, and there was a focus that was brought to this. Sugar Ray Leonard, who went to the Olympics, one of the Olympic champions in boxing. Everybody knew who that was. We knew who, we knew who Mike Tyson was. And we knew about that bout where he reached over and he kind of bit off a piece of that guy's ear. You guys remember that one? We knew George Foreman before he had the five sons named George Foreman, right? (laughs) Before he had the grill that he named the George Foreman Grill. Before he had, I guess, the car in the house probably named George as well. But we knew who he was. We knew these names. Now, what I learned in that time is you can know all the names in boxing, but that doesn't mean that you know anything about boxing, right? Because what I found out was there was a lot about boxing that I didn't know. Now, the basics are easy. The basics are that you could put two people into a ring, okay? And they can be two guys. Now it can be two girls. Doesn't matter. I mean, but they're in there and they just pound on each other for nine rounds. And if one of them doesn't knock the other one out cold and win that way, then they have these three judges that are sitting on the side and you gotta somehow impress them so that they vote for you at the end and then one of them ends up being the winner. That part's simple to understand. We get that. The thing I didn't understand though, did you know that there are three different ways that those judges can let you win? There's three different types of decisions that they talk about. You can get all three votes. Now all three votes, that's called a unanimous decision. All the judges say, this boxer was the standout. You can have two of the three votes, where two of them say, this was the standout boxer, but the third one says, I couldn't decide. They just kind of call it a draw. You can just win by one vote. And when you win by one vote, it's because two judges vote for you. And they, they say, by decision, they say, this was the standout. But the other judge, they say, no, I thought the other guy stood out. When it's two against one, that's called a split decision. Call a split decision. It's still a win. It's still a decision, but it just, it doesn't seem quite as decisive, right? But I want you to remember that piece. A split decision, it may not seem so decisive, but it's still a win, isn't it? When I ask you, in your life, when you go into a decision that you have to make, are most of the decisions that you're making, are they the kind that you're like, yeah, absolutely, 100% over here, no questions asked? There's no, I mean, if you were three different judges, you'd all be voting for this side. Or are many of the decisions that you're making in your life, are they more of that kind of split decision? You're going, I don't know, I'm kind of pulled both ways. I feel like if I were three judges, two would be voting for this decision, this choice over here, and one would be voting over here because I feel pulled both ways. Maybe I lean a little bit more this way. You guys, that's where I live. I gotta tell you, that's where my decisions are. I don't feel like I'm, there are some times in this life that I feel like, yes, absolutely, I know exactly, and in my faith as well. There are those times that I know exactly what Jesus wants me to do and I'm all for it. But so much of even my faith is that following and I just, I feel like I'm pulled in two different directions. 
And I feel like if I were three judges, two might vote for following Jesus, but one is definitely on this other side. What we need to know about that is that's okay. That is okay with God, that when we make decisions to follow him, we may not be 100% on board. I want you to hear this. Split decisions are still a win, right? Can you say that? Split decisions are still a win. It doesn't matter how we get to the right place. It's just that we get there and we decide to go the right direction with God. In Matthew 23, 28 to 31, Jesus, he's in one of his you know, pretty typical situation for him. The, the religious leaders of the day are around him. They're pestering with questions and they ask one question over and over again. They come back to him and they say, why do you keep hanging out with all these people that have messed up so badly, made such bad decisions in their life? And he answered them with this story. He said, there was a man, he had two sons. He turned to the first son, he said, son, I need you to go out and work in the vineyard for me. And then the son says, absolutely not. I'm not gonna go out and work in the vineyard. And he leaves. But then later it says he regretted his answer to his father and he actually did go out and he worked in the vineyard. He goes to his second son, he says, son, I need you to go out and I need you to work in the vineyard for me. And the second son says, absolutely, yes, sir, I'll be out there. But he never went. And Jesus said, so you tell me, what do you think? Who did the will of his father? That to me sounds like a split decision, doesn't it? Are there the times that Jesus comes to you and says, hey, I need you to do something. You say, absolutely not. I'm not gonna forgive that person. I'm not gonna do that good to my enemy. I'm not gonna give up on my time. I'm not gonna go do that. Absolutely not. And you end up going and doing it anyway. There are other times that whatever comes up, it's like, you know, we say yes, and then something catches our attention and we're off and we forget about it or we, we, we don't ever intend to. We just answer yes because we think that's what we're supposed to. You guys know what we're talking about, right? I mean, I do this. Jesus says, which one? Split decisions. But he says the one he chose the right decision, even though it was a split, even though at the beginning it sounded like he was on completely the wrong track. He says, that's okay because split decisions are still a win. If you've got two judges leaning in the, right, in the right direction, it's okay, that's still a win. How about Jesus himself, the night that he's gonna be crucified, right? Worst day of his life, worst night of his life, he's going to be falsely accused, he's gonna be arrested, he's gonna be tried, he's gonna be tortured, he's gonna be killed. And that's just the physical side of it. On the spiritual side, he knows that he's gonna go up on this cross and he's gonna take on the, the sins of the whole world are gonna be laid on him. And he knows this is not gonna be a pleasant experience. And so when we find him praying, is in Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. And we find him praying and he says, he prays this. He says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me which just means, God, Father, if there's any other way to do this, let's go that way. But then he ends and he says, but not my will, but yours be done. He prays that three times. This is Jesus. 
This is God incarnate in human form walking around on the earth. You know that he has in his heart to do his father's will. But three times he says, Father, if there's any other way to do this, let's go that. Not my will, but yours. That sounds like a split decision to me, doesn't it? And you go, how could God be doing that? Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully human. It says in, in Hebrews, one of the reasons that he completely understands what we go through is because he was fully human. And to be human is to have those moments that you're pulled two different ways very strongly. It says the win isn't about whether you get a unanimous vote because a split decision is still a win. So why are we talking about that? Why did I bring that up? Because when it comes to the things like James is talking about, most of the time we're not 100% on the same page as God. We just aren't. When it comes to some of the decisions that James is talking about, especially this one where he's talking about where, when you wake up in the morning, where do you align your life? And it's not, he says, it's not gonna be like you're gonna pop out of bed and you're gonna say, where are we going, God, every single day of your life? It may not be like that. There are gonna be those days that you're going, I don't even wanna get up. I don't wanna talk to God right now. I don't wanna, I had a terrible day yesterday. I don't wanna go into another one with him today. At least that's been my experience, <laughs> right? And James says, this is one of the most important decisions that you're going to, you're going to make, but what you need to know is that you don't have to be 100% behind it. God doesn't care if you go in with doubts and questions. He doesn't care if you're heading the right direction, but you're not fully there. He says, as long as... As long as we can get those two judges swung to go the right direction, that's still a win. Last week, we were challenged on this decision between do we choose God's wisdom or do we choose the world's wisdom? This week, what James was throwing in, in, uh, up in front of us, he's saying, are you going to align with, are you going to identify with, are you going to have it as your prime, the core of your identity and, and how you see everything in your life, are you going to align with this identity of who you are to God and chase after that? Or are you going to align with who you are to this world and chase after that? Because that's the most important decision that we will make in our lives. Each day, everything that we say and do will come out of that decision. Who are we? Where is our identity in this life? Now, sometimes it's easy to say, you know, I think I'm already doing that. I'm doing pretty well. I choose Jesus. It's easy to say that. It's easy to say that here, right? When we're, when we're in worship, it's easy to say that when we're thinking about God or we're in a time where we just feel really close to him. That's when it's, it's easy to say it then. But I, I want us to dig a little deeper into our lives. I want us to think about those places that sometimes this is where the rubber meets the road. Because, for example, each day we will choose how we use our time, won't we? Each week we choose how we use our time. And the question that James is, is, is raising up, he's saying, so are we going to align with our identity in God or are we gonna align with our identity in this world? Are we going to use our time 
in order to just all of our time to better our own lives, to better our own situation, to chase after connections that will help us get a leg up in this world? Or will we be putting aside that time that God has asked for, that God has said that we need if we're gonna find out who we are in him, but are we going to invest that time in who God is in knowing him in knowing who he's called us to be? Are we gonna invest that time? God, I, I said at the beginning, I said he asked of his people, but really he, he, he required it. He didn't request it. He said, you're going to need one day out of seven, right? Said you're gonna to need to set that aside and honor it as holy. You're gonna to need to set it aside as my day. And it wasn't just so that he could, have, he could have one seventh of our time. It was so that we would have the time set aside that we could actually get to know him, that we could actually walk with him so that that one, seven day, would, that one day in seven would start to influence all the rest of those days. And we would learn what it means to talk with God and hear from God and worship God and be with God. So he asked for one out of seven. So how are we doing? How are we doing with taking one day out of seven, a whole day, seems like a long time, and giving it to him and the things that he wants to lead us into instead of pursuing our own stuff. He says you have six other days to pursue what you want in this world, pursue what I've called you to and to build a life in this world, one day out of seven. We choose every day how we're gonna use our money, right? about how we're gonna invest it. Are we going to invest it in kind of feathering our own nests? Are we gonna invest it in, in ways that will advance our interest and increase the gains in our life? Is that how we're gonna invest that money? Or are we going to be investing in God's thing and in, God, in God's people? Are we gonna be investing in the people that God's heart goes out to, those people on the fringe that don't, don't have the means to care for themselves or that that investment would do more to propel their life forward than it would ever do in ours? Are we gonna invest that way? And God, again, didn't request. He, he, he recommended, I mean, he demanded. And we say, well, God doesn't, it's not good if he demands. Well, he said, if you wanna get to where I wanna see you be, if you wanna become that person in generosity, he said, I wanna, I wanna see you give one, out of, $1 out of 10. $10 out of 100, $100 out of 1,000. That, that's my portion. I've given you everything you need in the six days and I've given you everything you need in the nine-tenths of what you bring in. And this one-tenth is so that you can learn how to give back to me, that you have something to say thank you with to me so that you can invest in the lives of others according to my heart and not just in yourself according to your own. So how are we doing? How are we doing with giving God his time and, and the money that he's given to us that we would be able to give it to him as a gift? We choose how we're gonna use our time, how we're gonna use our money. We choose how we're gonna use our energy. We choose how we're gonna use our talents and our gifts and our abilities, right? How are we doing? We choose how, what we are going to let into our minds every day. 
And how many times do we let things in because of how they will put us forward in this world? We, we let in, we have to gather all we can about the latest fads so we can kind of keep up with that. We have to gather all that we can about all the news that's going on because we have to be able to talk with everybody about the scuttlebutt, about what everybody's upset about, what everybody's in and, and what's going on in this world. We, we, we gather all that we can about the latest shows, about the latest entertainment so that we can talk with everybody. And we, we don't filter it for content most of the time, we just let it in. We don't think about how this changing our thinking and changing, and is that really propelling us towards becoming more like the person God has called us to be, or is it propelling us just more so that we're, we're kind of reaching those, those next layers in this life, this next layers of that rungs on that ladder as we try and gain status here? How are we doing there? We choose every day how we're going to define our lives. When we wake up in the morning and we say, am I going to pursue the kingdom of God? Am I going to pursue the identity that is in him? Or am I going to pursue this identity in this world? Greater status, greater wealth, greater riches, greater success. That's what James is bringing up in these verses. These you know, these are some of the, the real life kind of circumstances. James is gonna talk in his book about, in different places in his letter about these things, these things that we're faced with. And I gotta tell you that in all of those, you're, you're, you're given these two choices and you're kind of, you're dragged both ways. I'm, I, I mean, you're drawn into each. I'm drawn into each. I say, you know, I, I like the things of this world. I like the things that surround me. I like how it feels for people to know who I am and to, to, to recognize me and to think of me as successful. I, I like how that looks. But I also know what it's like to be loved by Jesus. I love that. I love knowing that he's walking with me and he's supporting me in the decisions that I'm making. And even though it's hard that I sense that he's there with me as that shepherd, I love that, right? In those times, James is saying, you know what? It's okay. But even a split decision, just to make the right decision, just to get enough lean over there so that you go in the right direction, that you, you say, no, I need to define myself in this way. I need to follow Jesus. That's enough. So what is James talking about? What, is the, what does he say this decision looks like? What does this alignment look like? Well, he says, first of all, the one who finds themselves in low circumstances, and low circumstances means that you're that person that nobody notices, right? You're just the person that's kind of off the grid for everyone else. You don't have much going on in this world. He says, think of the person that nobody thinks of. Think of the person that everybody could walk by and they, don't even, they wouldn't even give a second thought. They wouldn't care about. And, and some of us may feel that way at times. In different places, they feel like, I might as well not be here. No one would even care. It doesn't even matter. He says, that's the person I'm talking to. They don't have the wealth. They don't have the power. They don't have the influence. They are in this low circumstances. He says, but if you belong to Christ, if you are a brother and sister because you have been born again into the family of God, if you have had your sins washed clean by Jesus, by his sacrifice, if you have become beloved by God, he says, it doesn't matter if you're in the lowest of circumstances in this world, you should be out shouting in the streets because of the high position you have. 
He says, if we would just understand what it means to be, to be one of God's own, he says we would be, it wouldn't matter what goes on in this world. It shouldn't matter where we stand in this world. He says, to the one who's in the lowest position, I say that if you belong to Jesus, you should be shouting in the streets. And then he turns to those, he says, but if you are in this world and you have, you have everything this world has to offer, and it doesn't matter whether you love Jesus or not, the stuff of this world, he says, when it comes to the stuff of this world, you have the power, you have the wealth, you have the freedom, you have the ability to do whatever you want, you have, you're known by others, you turn heads, they don't turn away from you. When you speak, they listen, you have it all. He says, what do you have to boast about in that? He says, all there is to boast about in the stuff of this world is that it's going away. It's gonna burn. It's gonna all burn. You go, well, that's, that's terrible, isn't it? I mean, it's, that it's all going away? Well, no, Jesus says it, it has to. This world is broken. This world crushes us and crushes those around us. This world is, is out, of, out of sync, out of character. There's a, there's a brokenness that just, it, it's, he's rescuing us. He's, he's saving us out of it. He's gonna bring in a new world, but this world, this world's going away. So if you're succeeding in it, all that you have to brag about in it is, you know what? It's going away. There's, there's a humbling that's coming. I'm sitting on this top of this pile, but it won't be very long before that pile's gone. It says, just like when the sun rises, and I think James used those words on purpose because Jesus, the sun, has already risen. And he said, he has risen. This world is already broken in. This new world of, of the resurrection, the kingdom of God is already broken in and this world's going away. In the Greek, he actually uses the past tense just like we read, we read it. This sun has already risen, it rose. And because of that, this wind, this hot wind that's, gonna, that's ruining everything, it's already blowing. And the grass is already withering and the flower is already coming off. It's fallen to the ground like it was nothing. And so if you have placed your life in that, he says, that's all you have to brag about. Is that this world is ending. So if you're in this world and you don't seem like much, but you're God's own child, he says, you should be dancing in the street. If you're in this world, you're on the top of the pile. He says, all you have to brag about is that this is all gonna be gone. It doesn't even matter. So what's the challenge here? Because I think we love this world. Don't you love this world? I love this world. I love the beauty of being able to walk out and see what God originally created, what he intended for better than maybe it is now, but I still love it. It's so beautiful. I love eating a great meal. I love ice cream. Doesn't ice cream taste great, right? I mean, that's part of this creation. You're going, I love it. And when we're surrounded by the reality of this world and all the good that is in it, all that could be gained in it, it's very hard sometimes to see this other world that yes, it's broken in. Yes, I believe it. I believe that the sun has risen. The wind is already blowing. This, this world is already withering and fading. I believe it, but it's hard to really get behind. It's hard to choose when I'm making decisions. It's hard to align my life to that thing and say, I'm glorying in my high position even if I have nothing here. That's hard. 
But that's okay. Because living in light of the standards and the, the reality of the world that Jesus has brought in and that is coming, even if all you can get is you can just get two of those judges to lean over that one side, that's okay. It's okay to be drawn to the other as long as in the end we say, but I gotta follow Jesus. Sometimes we beat ourselves up because we can't get 100% behind following Jesus. We think something's wrong with us because we can't follow him with a whole heart and with all our mind and all our strength. And, but he says, you know what, it's okay. It's okay because a split decision is still a win. A split decision is still a win. It's okay as long as we can get that, as we can get that lean in our life. Another way to look at this is James is saying, it's like God has given you one chip, it's called your life, and you're at the table and you're betting. This time you're betting on that boxing match, right? About how it's gonna end up. And you're betting on this boxing match. You have one chip to lay down, you got one bet. Now, there's a way to split bets at casinos. God's not into split bets. You can't put half your, half your bet on him and half your bet on this world. You can't do that. You can't put half your life here and half your life there. He says you can't serve both. He says you gotta put your bet one, one place. He says, so um, it's okay, but I want you to, it's okay if you're kind of indecisive, you're drawn towards both of them, but you have to lay down one bet. And he says, but before you do, let me tell you how it ends. Because he says, I know how it ends. If you put your bet down with Jesus, you're gonna win it all. If you put your life down, if you put your bet down with this world, you're gonna lose it all. I just want you to know that before you go in and you, you lay this bet. Because the sun has risen and the wind is blowing and the grasses are withering and the flowers about to fall off. So if you put your bet with Jesus, you'll win it all. No matter what it looks like in this life, you'll win it all. If you put your bet in this world, no matter what it looks like, no matter what kind of odds the bookies give you for winning that bet, you're gonna lose it all. Because in the end, I think James tells us three things. I want you to walk away with these, okay? One is, when we make decisions, choose wisely. Choose wisely where you're gonna invest your life. Every day, choose wisely where you're gonna invest your life. Second is this. Understand that true wisdom is found in knowing this. This boxing match is rigged because Jesus wins. That's where wisdom's found. When you're laying your bet, choose wisely, but know that wisdom's found in this, rig this, this match is it's rigged. Third, he wants you to know this. Don't worry if your decision isn't 100%. If you can't get your heart 100% on board, if you feel like you're drawn towards the other, don't worry about how fully you get to that place where you bet on Jesus. Doesn't matter. Because why? Because even a split decision is a win. Can you say that with me? Split decision is still a win, okay? A split decision still a win. Amen.